Hello, and welcome to All Fighters Follow Me, a Star Wars Armada podcast, as well as a proud member of the Armchair Adventures podcast series. I'm Moff Ted. And I'm Senator Faith. This week we have Admiral Charles with us. Welcome, Charles. Thank you. So, Charles, when we have a guest on, we like to talk about their favorite ships, squadrons, um, commanders, objectives. So what what are you bringing in today? Like, so let's start commander and ship. Sure. So my uh, my first true love when it comes to commander is Admiral Akbar. Yes. And then uh, for favorite <laughs> ship, it's the same uh, ship that comes with them, the MC-80. Home one type. Yeah. Well, actually, I like um, the home one type MC-80, correct, but I like both the home one title as well as the defiance title. That might be getting a little too in-depth. Okay, we can get there. Um, so for the, do you want to explain for those of you that don't know, for our listeners, uh, how Akbar interacts in the game, what he does? So Akbar is focused on broadsides. His whole ability is that if you don't use anything but your broadsides to shoot your enemy, you get two additional red dice for any attacks at your broadsides. The, um, I think the theory here is, as I recall, I've heard that in Legend and Lore... With Admiral Akbar, you're supposed to take your ship, go straight between two enemy ships, and fire out both sides. What uh, what I like about Akbar is I think he's very he's very much like traditional naval combat to me. It's what I think of when I think of ships on the water firing cannons at each other. You don't have cannons out the front; you have cannons at your sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say that's very reasonable. And he's he's also I feel as someone who teaches a lot of new players, probably the easiest. Here's Admiral Akbar. You get more. You get more lasers, right? And there's nothing. There's nothing more satisfying than shooting a bunch of dice at someone, right? Like yeah. that's why we all came to play the game was so I could roll a bunch of dice and blow up your ship, and that's pretty much what Akbar does for you. Is gives you that ability. Exactly, and again, he's very easy to pick up, but there is kind of also a strategy that you have to do with him. Kind of that that toilet bowl. Swirl. So yeah, you, you, you turn away from them a little bit, you pull them in close, and then you wrap around them with their maneuvers. Mm-hmm. And the uh, turns out the home one type MC eighty is exceptionally good at that because it has enormous sides, just massive. I mean, I don't think there's any. Are there any other ships in the game that even have those arcs? I'm not aware of any. The Nebulon B does, but it's a small base and has. Weak side arcs. That's right, because the Neb B, you couldn't theory use it in Akbar list, but you would just find yourself crying when your Neb B explodes in a fire. I've heard of people doing it, but it's not something I put on the table. Yeah, the what I like about the Home One MC80 is its ability. That massive side arc allows you to both focus fire out one arc as well as defend one arc. So if you have something like early warning systems with you, which you can do with two defense slots for the uh, the upgraded version. It's a very convenient way to protect yourself while also doing a lot of offensive damage. Yeah, and Charles mentioned the two defense slots, the MC-80 Home 1 type. The Assault Cruiser has Officer Support Team, which is very helpful. Uh, Two defensive retrofits. It's the only ship in the game that has that. Ion cannons and turbo lasers. It's coming in at 114 points for the Assault version. Three command, three squadron, four engineering. And then the standard large ship. Brace, double redirect, contain. Defense tokens, um, eight hull. It has a total of 15 shields. It's the highest shielded ship in the game. Very durable. You get uh, electronic countermeasures on there, so you can keep bracing. You get early warning systems or reinforced blast doors on there. It can be one of the toughest ships in the game. Outright to kill. 
I've also seen Advanced Projectors as a very good one because going back oh, to Ted's yeah. point about the number of shields it has, Advanced Projectors lets you push your redirects to two different hull zones. They don't have to be adjacent, so you can keep that one arc facing towards your enemy while still pushing the damage wherever you need to before you actually start taking things to hull. Yeah, Advanced Projectors. I've seen that once or twice. It lets it allows you um, to redirect, like Charles said, to a non-adjacent shield side. So you have four shields on either side of the home one cruiser. Um or the assault cruiser, if they're attacking one side and it, you're, you have one side facing their whole fleet and they're shooting it, you can just take shields on the other and not care. Um, XI-7 turbolasers do over uh, overwrite that. Um, you can't redirect more than one to a different hull zone. But you can still redirect one to each of those hull zones, so essentially allows you to double the amount you could redirect otherwise with, a, um, with XI-7s. I'd have to double-check that. I think you're right. Um, so what kind of turbo lasers do you like to put on? We just mentioned the XI-7, and that's probably one of my favorite I think to X put on a ship like this. I think with Akbar and, uh, mm-hmm. and the Home 1 MC-80, you kind of have this... I think XI-7s makes the most sense. You're putting out a lot of damage. You want to make sure that that can't be redirected. You're effectively nullifying an entire defense token with XI-7s. I know there's some other pretty good ones out there that you could do for dice modification as well, because since we don't have a weapons team... We can't do something like Katekin and Sholin or a lot of other ways that we'd be able to otherwise modify dice. So if you don't have the points, you could do something like a, a dual turbo laser turret to get a free red die reroll effectively. I actually like, um, since it has the ion slot, the um, ever-present leading shots uh, for an ion, which lets you spend a blue dice to reroll, you had quad battery turrets where if they're going faster than you, it's a max speed 2 ship. You're usually flying at speed one or speed two. So when I fly an Akbar uh, assault cruiser, I actually put uh, quad battery turrets on it, get that extra blue dice, and then even at long range, you know, I'm rolling five or six red dice, and I can re-roll them with that one clutch blue that gets thrown in there. Absolutely, I entirely agree. I entirely forgot about uh, quad battery turrets. I think another big thing there is you you almost always have engine techs on the MC-80. I find, or very frequently, you see engine techs being put in that support slot because, as you said. It's, uh, its ability to maneuver is very limited. It's got one yaw, I think, on both first and second clip, on first and second spots. It only goes up to two speeds, so the thing's not moving anywhere fast. Yeah. Engine tech almost doubles your yaw. It uh, gives you 150% more uh, speed yeah. and allows you to really get those arcs exactly where you need them to be. It's definitely a slow, rusty shopping cart. Uh, it's not a victory star story here. Don't be hateful. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So I think what I like about the MC-80, to me, is it, it was sort of the... I think it was released around the same time as the ISD, and I sort of view it as the, the response to the ISD, right? The ISD is very standard. Big front arc comes right at you, and the MC-80 is all about slipping around to those sides. You know, how can I get myself off the side so I'm not quite where you want me to be while still keeping that big side arc facing you, which has a huge radius, and I like that sort of uh, Imperial Rebel comparison. I think this really captures it for me in the MC-80. Yeah, the, where the MC-80 has more shields, the ISD has more hull, the MC-80 has strong side arcs, I'd say that's true. Um, a very, very something you can see. And then the double defensive retrofit. The uh, Command Cruiser, which is often the one I find myself reaching for because I want to push some squadrons, or uh, because the Command Cruiser is the MC-80 Assault Cruiser, where instead of four red, two blue out the side. It's three red, two blue, but it has squadron four. It's a little cheaper. Um, the flak dice aren't as good. I think it's one blue, one black instead of two blue, which I guess is kind of however you want to take it. 
Um, but it has one offensive and one defensive retrofit, so it's not as durable, but it can be more flexible. It's better squadron pusher, which I find is something I often want to be doing as a rebel commander. I think what's interesting to me about the command cruiser is I think everything about it says it should be more in the fight than the assault cruiser. So I think of the assault cruiser as something that should be sort of in the back lines of a fight. But the command cruiser with the with a shorter range flak dice means it should be closer to any sort of squadron battle. Right. With its a sort shorter range batteries, it means it should be closer to any sort of space battle that's happening. And so I view interestingly, even though I think the command cruiser should be more in the fight than the assault cruiser, it has less defensive capability than the assault cruiser does. Right. So generally I'm usually trying to do the assault cruiser if I'm gonna be doing something like an MC eighty list. But if I take something like an MCA command cruiser, it's going to be because I just need the points. I'm only at 106 points. It's an 8-point savings to the command cruiser over the assault cruiser, and sometimes that 8 points is the difference between a first-player bid or not having a bid at all. Or I can afford an extra Z95 headhunter for all that. Mm-hmm. Because Sorry. you take those? I tried a Z95 headhunter list once, and I think uh, they're pretty good at being anti-squadron, but the problem is with such low hull value their ability to have any sort of sustain is negligible. And at that point, you might as well invest in something like an X-Wing, which has good all-around firepower. Sure. Mm -hmm. So are there any other ships that you like to pair with Admiral Akbar? I think my standard Akbar list is uh, an MC-80. I like the Assault Frigate, actually, for Akbar, just because it has good side arcs. And then the MC-30 is my other uh, true love when it comes to Rebel ship lists. The MC-30 just has such phenomenal... Mm -hmm stats and it's such phenomenal capability that I have to toss it in there. Definitely statted like all the other small ships. <laughs> so the MC-30 oh, might have so a few better. more shields than uh, some <laughs> other small ships and it, it might have a little better capability to uh, to avoid damage because of some phenomenal defensive titles. And it might have the ability to throw two red dice at long range which double with Akbar. And it might have some of the best arcs that you need for a broadside list. But besides that it's like most other ships. It's also the only speed four command two or three ship. And it has phenomenal navigation at speed three. And it has a weapons team. And ordnance slot. And a turbo laser slot. But besides that, it's just like another ship. <laughs> I'll get on a I'll get on an MC thirty rant one of these days. Um, I have opinions about those. But oh, yeah. I live with you. I know your opinions on those. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so when I run Akbar, personally, I I like to run sort of some cheaper ships. Since I'm putting so much into that big MC-80 cruiser, I usually like to pair it with a couple, uh, what are they called? CR-90 Corvettes, which we, we've talked about a couple times before. Faith and I are both big fans of that ship. Um, but one thing, and I, I saw this, and I don't remember talking to the person who I saw it was playing in Chicago, um, but it was a home one HMC-80. When I, when I say HMC-80, that's the home one class. It was the actual home one title which allows friendly ships within distance 5 to turn one of their die when attacking any dice when attacking to an accuracy. So you can just take a blank and say, hey, accuracy now. Phenomenal. Um, and then it was a, a Pelta command cruiser with the fleet command intensify firepower. <laughs> and I don't know if he had this or not, but my version of it, um, after I saw it and I stole it, uh, wholeheartedly and whoever wrote this list originally if you're listening thank you it's great um had turbo laser reroute circuits on the cr90s so you akbar out the sides with your one red dice to start with and you are guaranteed an accuracy one hit and one double 
So I like the idea, but honestly, and no, no problem with the person who made this list, but just personal uh, criticism of it in my would be that if you hit literally anything on those three red dice, you know, if you get a one damage on any of those, you have the same outcome, right? The intensify firepower, I think, is a little bit overkill. You, I would do one or the other. I would either intensify firepower or TRC. But by putting the TRC on there, in addition to the intensify firepower, if I throw three red dice, one's a damage, then I TRC the two damage, and I get the accuracy. So I get the exact same outcome. But then you can concentrate fire and have a fourth die. And it's really about that Rebels don't often get, outside of turbo laser reroute circuits and intensify firepower, Rebels don't have that kind of access to rerolls like Imperials do. Well, that's true, but if you think about it, so on four red dice, if we look at the different faces, I think, how many faces are damaged? Like five. Five damage faces? Okay. And so then one accuracy and two blanks. So on four dice, the chances of you getting two dice that are not that are damaged are pretty good. Uh, what is that? Five-eighths times four becomes a little over average output of 2.5 damage. So you have about two and a half damage output on average. You just need two. So you're, statistically, you have a better chance than not of getting your damage. And then you just TRC your way to victory. And if you roll super crappy, you accept the fact that the dice gods don't like you that much, but you don't have to take a Pelta, you don't have to take intensify firepower, and now you can take another TRC-90, CR-90. I've only tightened a Pelta once, and it was pretty much just to do intensify firepower. I would do it with a lot of other lists. There's a lot of lists. I, I have a swarm list that I run currently that uses intensify firepower Pelta that I really like. I don't want to denigrate that capability, because it's really nice to get that fixed dice roll. But I think for a, for a CR90 specifically with TRCs, you already have so much dice manipulation, I think that it's just overkill, especially with the home one title. I do want to address the home one title, though, as absolutely awesome. Just a phenomenal title, mm-hmm. 10 out of 10, would recommend. Gotta have it if you haven't tried it before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it's one of those titles that in a 400-point game, it's all right, because usually it's so hard to fit other sh- enough combat ships in besides that big MC-80 cruiser, because you're paying at minimum 106 points to then throw, what, an eight-point title on it? Right, and that's before literally and anything, anything else. Use. Yeah. Um, and, but you throw a home one into Sector Fleet, and it just gets ridiculous. I can't even imagine. I haven't, I haven't tried it in Sector Fleet, but I can imagine if you're doing a 500, 600-point list, suddenly you can get a lot of firepower out those sides. You know, TRCs plus home one plus any sort of ability to add dice, and suddenly you're just looking at massive damage. Or, if you're playing a two-player game, your partner benefits from home one. I didn't know that. Yep. It's friendly ship. That's super OP. In a good way. It's very good. Um, Let's think of other other things. Um, So we talked about your favorite ship, your favorite commander, um, some of the uses of those. Oh, uh, actually, one thing we haven't talked about. Let's talk about, you mentioned the Defiance title, because that is easily one of the most uh, used Rebel titles that exists. That is definitely one that I've used quite a bit, just because it is a little bit cheaper than Home 1. And absurdly strong. Well, another nice thing about Defiance compared to Home 1, Home 1 almost requires you to have a lot of other ships. And this is something I see a lot of times in newer players uh, when they're doing list building that I think is a mistake is they'll say, I, I want the MC-80, I'm going to put Home 1 on it, I'm going to have two other ships. One's a flotilla. And yeah. you're going to say, well, that's not going to help you much, because Home 1's only benefiting one other ship. So right, because I'm too big for your list. Exactly. Yeah. So instead, Defiance is good because it doesn't rely on the rest of your list. It just helps make the MC-80 better. 
I think Defiance's ability is if you're attacking a ship that's already activated, add and die of any color to your attack pool. Is that right? Yes. That is correct. You can add a black die at long range. Right, which was nice because it lets you, uh, lets you prong with some different upgrades. Yeah. It also gives you... I think I most commonly see it with leading shots. Yeah, it's similar to the QBTs and gives you that ability to potentially get an accuracy, gives you the ability to potentially do re-rolls, which is nice, and it's a very, or it just adds more damage yep. on, the, on the top. And with the, uh, and with the cheapness of Rebel activations, like you get uh, your GR-75 flotillas or so are so cheap, and you get your hammerheads, which are so inexpensive, your uh, CR-90s, which are so cheap, you can have a pretty high activation list, and you know, like throw a strategic advisor in there, I guess, too, for, for an officer slot on your MC-80. Might as well. For super fun flavor. Um, you can have a lot of activations, because Defiance does also appreciate having more ships around, but it doesn't necessarily need combat ships like Home 1 does. It also doesn't require that the ships be nearby. So Home 1 requires they be within the range 1 to 5. That's true. Mm -hmm. Compared to Defiance, has no re no requirements. So Home 1's really a, uh, it's a team player ship. you gotta you got to be near your team, you got to have a good-sized team, and then it works well. Defiance is just kind of like, hey, I'm off doing my own Defiancey thing over here, don't mind Blowing me. Up Star Destroyers. Calling it a day. Um, yeah, I've had... Uh, I've had an MC-80 with Defiance and Quad Battery turrets one-shot a raider of mine. Or just about one-shot. I think it rammed me for the kill. Out of its front arc, which is three dice base. <laughs> I was not pleased. Um, but yeah, I think it like rolled an ack, got a double on a couple of one of the reds, and just a crit later, and a giant pickle flying over my little uh, stabby dagger ship. No more raider. <laughs> the magic I've always wanted to see work is Home One working with I think it's quad turbo laser turrets, where if you have an accuracy in your pool, you add a die oh, set yep. to an accuracy. I love the concept of it, where you're like, well, no matter what, I get two accuracies, one of which is added to my pool. Yep. And then what you can do is, if you have some reroll capability, like K controlling or leading shots, then that die is now added for potential reroll later on if you don't need the extra accuracy. Yep. I love the concept of it, but. Quad turbo laser turrets at 10 points, home one at 8 points plus usually 114. That's a lot of my 400-point list being spent just to get this one gimmick off right. maybe twice the entire game. I think it's something, again, that works better in a uh, sector fleet scenario when you have just more stuff to play with. You better believe I'm excited to play sector fleet with you sometime because this sounds uh, sounds pretty OP. And we, could, we could schedule something. Sounds good. All right. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about some of the squadron or squadrons you like to play with or what your kind of favorite squadron to play is. So right now I'm sort of in a, a low squadron list uh, mentality. I'm just not really into the squadron game. It's just a personal preference. But a lot uh, of people in our meta haven't been. I, I just, I played the squadron for a long time. A lot of things going on there. And right now I'm just kind of moving toward more ships. But when I do do squadrons, I like to make it so the squadrons will take up the enemy squadron's time as much as possible for as long as possible. And uh, to do that, I find, honestly, for Rebels, basic X-Wings are really good. I know, historically, A-Wings have been more popular, but I like X-Wings because I think they have just better stats across the board. You've got the extra die when attacking squadrons, which is nice. You've got a little more hull, which is good for the durability. And then if you pair that with someone like Biggs, uh, what is it, Biggs Darklighter? Yeah, Biggs Darklighter. Biggs Darklighter. You can, if you pair it with someone like Biggs, who helps spread damage around, then suddenly your X-Wings go from just sort of an annoyance to a really frustrating-to-kill combination. Mm -hmm. We've also we've discussed Luke Skywalker. Did we talk about Wedge also? As far I as think we talked about... We did talk about Wedge. Yeah, because you, you talked about your Wedge in uh, 
Oh, what's that? Why Dutch. The one Dutch Vander. Okay. So yeah. So so this is the last X-wing we haven't covered. Oh wait. Besides, Rogue Wing or Rogue Squadron. Oh yeah, I have never actually played with Rogue Squadron. Okay, Rogue Squadron is an X-wing that is instead of escort, Rogue because it's Rogue Squadron. It's pretty nifty. I mean, it's got some pretty good stats, and for having the rogue capability, it means you don't have to push it around, and as somebody who doesn't like to run squadrons, I don't like having to push them around either, so I kind of like rogue squadron for that capability. Yeah. Well, there's nothing... uh, Well, I like... One combination I really like to run is a couple X-Wings, Bigs, and then Janors. So essentially, you have Bigs pushing the damage to whoever needs, whoever can take it, Mm -hmm. Jan pushing brace tokens to whoever's getting damaged. So no matter what hit's coming in, it's going to be halved, and then it's one damage is going to go to whoever has the highest hull. It makes it so you suddenly, instead of grinding through five hull to kill someone, you have to grind through 20, yeah. which is going to be a real, just take up time. And that's all I'm hoping to do, is waste their precious time. And granted, X-Wings, despite being good, uh, the colloquial term is tar pit, they're really good at just sitting there and taking hits and, and uh, soaking it in. Four blue dice will also just blow some of your enemy's squadrons off the table if you focus it in. I found that's what always surprises me when I face off against X-Wings, is I'm always like, oh, it's just an X-Wing, it's a cheap generic, you know, 13 points, who cares? And then I find my squadrons being wiped up, I'm like, what happened? Oh, yeah. it turns out four <laughs> dice actually does some damage. It turns out four laser cannons uh, does work. Yep, much uh, much better than A-Wings. And the other problem with A-Wings, the minute they get obstructed for any number of reasons, you drop down at two dice. And two dice, you have a very low probability, of, there's a good chance you're not going to hit any damage on that. Yeah. 50-50, I think. It's not great. Three, nine. And A-Wings, although some of the uh, A-Squadrons do have the scatterer, any generic A-Wing is just made of paper. Defenders love eating A-Wings. <laughs> I've, oh. I've had multiple times where I've had a Defender just roll in and be like, four damage, that A-Wing is gone. Oh, and you countered for one damage? That's fine. Mm. I mean, you start on Merrick just going around eating Squadrons for breakfast, and lunch, sh- and dinner. Oh, don't, don't forget... No, his dinner is usually, like, a medium ship of some form. <laughs> yeah, we've, t- we've talked about him a bit. That's only when he goes out with Jendon. That's fair. They, they hit the town pretty hard. This is, like, the third consecutive pod- podcast we've talked about them, which is fine. All right, uh, anyway, but let's move on. So we've talked about squadrons, we've talked about ships, we've talked about commanders, and it's hard to beat Redfish. Like, let's be honest here. Uh, Redfish is a common community name for Akbar. Because um, it goes with the Redfish, Bluefish. Right. Yeah, Radis is blue, fish, Rad- fish, or Akbar is red. Um, you'd have to talk to the uh, Chicago guys about their exact poem with that, but uh, how about <laughs> I, I objectives? Death Wish. Which death Wish, cool. yep. That's wrecking. Objectives. Um, one objective I really like is Contested Outpost. Uh, the reason I like Contested Outpost as an objective is I feel like it really plays into what's sort of fundamental to a second player strategy, which is I'm going to set up over here in what is clearly a trap, and I'm going to make you come into my trap, and then hopefully I will outwit you, outplay you, survive you in my trap zone. I find it terrifically ironic that Akbar fleets are often about trap making traps for your opponent. <laughs> Just because there's one time on screen he was in a trap doesn't mean he's not good at setting it himself. I like to presume that he got that far he because he... He knows one when he sees one. Yeah, he knows a good trap, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what I like about contested outposts, you set it up. You set the outpost right in front of your ships. You put all your broadsides there. The station doesn't obstruct, which is great. And your broadsides just start firing. They get into range, and you just go pew 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 laser beams until their ships explode, and your ships just kind of scatter off. 
And it really plays to the strength of an Akbar list, where you know, you're sort of maneuvering your broadside but trying to avoid going into direct confrontation, which is pretty convenient. Or alternatively, the opponent can ignore the outpost, but then you sit there and say, cool, I'm just getting three points every turn. I'll, yeah, I'll take that. 123 points is pretty solid. So contested outpost is, a, is an objective for, for those of you that haven't run through it. And I played a lot of interdictor lists because being able to grab the outpost with grab shift reroute and move it closer to me is pretty spot. It's very it mean. It's great. Um, and if you play Ted with an interdictor list and you have an interdictor list, make sure that you're going first. Because I played against Ted with an interdictor list and he went first and grabbed the station and then I was sad. Because I couldn't reach it. Yep. Uh, anyway, but so contested outpost, you place obstacles as normal, but then the second player places the station beyond distance five of both players' edges. So you can't have it, you know, sitting up right next to where your ships start. Um, it has to. You have to at least move speed two to get into range of it from your deployment, unless you have an interdictor and pull it in, and you can just sit on it turn one. Actually, you can go get to it on, at speed one. Oh, is it, it speed? You have to turn, yeah, though. You have to turn, yep. which is usually what I have a flotilla do. Sure. My sacrificial flotilla. All right. Um, <laughs> special, the, the station in a contested outpost, unlike every other obstacle, does not obstruct. Um, so you can take attacks freely through it, which Ak- with Akbar also loves, because then he can sit behind the station, destroying you with giant laser guns, and not having to worry about the civilians in the way. <laughs> Um, and then at the end of round, the players sum up the command value of their ships at distance one of the station, and the player with the highest vic- total gains a victory token, which is worth 20 points, allowing you to score through the whole game a maximum of 120 points, which is a free Star Destroyer. I never thought of that way. That's actually it's a free, point. naked Imperial Star Destroyer class, or Imperial 2 class Star Destroyer. I usually find the way I think about it mentally is how many tokens am I getting versus how many tokens am I opponent getting yeah. and thinking of it sort of as a differential. But that's an interesting way of thinking it's, about it from a nominal perspective. It's commonly 80 points to the second player and then kind of up in the air after that. Co- commonly 80 to the second? I've been playing this horribly wrong then because <laughs> I don't think I've ever gotten more than 20 points off the contested outpost. Usually turn one, I'm like, hey, this is my outpost. It's great. Turn two, suddenly there's there's a kuat on my outpost there's two architants flanking my outpost, and I'm just sad wondering what happened to this wonderful outpost. My flotilla. It was reclaimed by the rightful rulers of the galaxy. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, we got uh, Mr. Imperial yeah. over here. Here we finally have a rebel player. I want to stick closer to Faith. Yeah. Yeah, move the chairs. There we go. Yeah. Rebels rule. Rebels rule. We should scatter. Scatter! It's more of an Imperial ability than a rebel one. Boo! <laughs> But yeah, I've usually been more fighting against contested outposts, where I end up trying desperately to reach the outpost, or to at least try to shake things up in that area of the board where they've just set up their own little camp. Sure, we could talk a little, little bit. Powwow. We could talk a little bit about playing against contested outposts, I suppose. So a lot about playing against contested outposts is once the station's on the board, when you're deploying, you know exactly where your opponent's going to have a strong contingent of ships, so you can focus your fire there, or you know how to maneuver around to get to them in a way that's less dangerous. It's a little harder because, I'm going to be honest, Home 1 class MC-80s are one of the hardest ships to attack without taking some serious side dart shots. Because mm-hmm. its sides are so broad, it has basic turning, 
but it's basic turning if you deploy it correctly uh, is very difficult to get into a, a weak arc on. I've even with Jaredrod, I've done some heinous things to get into the front arc on MC80 and then just still failed by a little bit and gotten blown off by an Akbar shot. I think what's interesting about just outpost from a second player perspective is it really forces the engagement from a time perspective. Yeah. So uh, oftentimes, I've heard the first player's biggest advantage, they control the tempo of the engagement. But when you play Contested Outpost, you're essentially putting them on a shot clock. If you don't come in fast enough, I'm mm-hmm. going to have so many points, by the time you get here, it's a waste. And so what I like is it forces the first player into a position of, I have to deploy forward in my box, I have to deploy usually at speed two or three at least, just to get my ships moving, otherwise I'm not going to reach the outpost until turn three, at which point... There's 40 points in the pocket of the rebel player. Yeah. So I find that that's one thing as a second player I like, and one thing as a first player I find you have to avoid is falling into that trap of, oh, I better get over there. So screw everything. You know, I'm not going to think about it. I'm just going to charge in blindly and then get lit up by whatever's waiting. Yeah, raiders don't love it. It's very easy to get in that psychological mindset. If I don't get there fast enough, I'm going to lose and then make worse mistakes as a result and Mm -hmm. still lose. Yeah, I find that's a, a strong point for it. Um, and really kind of knowing what you have to be able to deliver into them. Because as we said, the Home 1 class mm-hmm. is one of the tougher ships in the game. So if they're flying one of those with Contested Outpost, you you're, you know you're going to need to be delivering a withering amount of damage to it to be able to take it down. And you're also probably going to take some pretty hearty shots on your way in too. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one funny thing about the, the home one is that it, it does a great job of defending a location. And it, because of those arcs, as you're referring to, it's nearly impossible to get around them unless you go so far afield, at which point you're out of the fight for at least one round, maybe two. Yeah. And then it's then has it almost done its job just by dissuading you from coming into the fight immediately and helps give you that local superiority that you're looking for. True. The, the one challenge I run into um, is that I think it's the home one point for point, isn't quite as effective at broadsides as some other ships you might see on the other side, like the Imperial side. Right. So when you look, to me, I always look at the Architants and wish that the Rebels had access to them. Because point for point, just long-range damage at the side, the Architants, phenomenal by comparison. Yeah. But I think that the, uh, the Home One's a pretty good, a pretty good contender. Sure. The other thing about Contested Outposts that I think is interesting, you referenced the CR-90s earlier, is that um, the challenge I run to with CR-90s with an Akbar list is if they're obstructed out the side arc, then they can't fight, right? Because they don't have any dice in their armament, and then they can't add the two because they can't fire to begin with. The nice thing about Contested Outpost, since it doesn't obstruct, oh, is sure. you can put a CR-90 side with the out to the uh, Contested Outpost, and it can still fire because the Outpost doesn't cause any trouble. Or, you know, you could take that really overpriced two-point... Uh Title for CR90, uh, which unobstructs things for you. Oh, uh, the best title, uh, arguably the best title of the game, Jaina's Light. Jaina's Light. Just the ability to never be obstructed, to not have to worry about obstacles. You just fly around in space doing whatever you want to do in space. It's pretty much a slam dunk. Mm-hmm. If you are running a CR90 without Jaina's Light, you find those two points somewhere and you put it on that CR90. The only two points I wouldn't give up for Jaina's Light are Hondo and Naka. 
I Hondo. have not yet run Hondo, and I have not yet felt bad about it. Get out of my house. What? what? <laughs> so maybe you can help me with this. It seems like everyone has a love affair with Hondo and Naka. And don't get me wrong, like he seems like a cool dude. I've seen some of the episodes where he's featured, and he seems fun. But I do not see the appeal from a game standpoint. So why do you love Hondo and okay. Naka so much? So Hondo and Naka is clutch because he happens at the start of the ship phase. So it lets me save that token drop. And as someone who runs a boarding tr- a boarding team effect, and since I run boarding team Vader um, very often, or you get into a clutch moment where you need like a... Uh, you need a nav now. Or you need a token of some form. You can... So I run out of space. And you can flip that over and say, I have this token. I have had times where I, I have Hondo in my Jerjerod list. I get my ISD2 on someone with Darth Vader. I don't have a squadron token. I flip Hondo. I have a squadron token. I'm activating first. That ship dies. So I could see it in that, but that's a very specific circumstance for a Hondo, right? Yeah. So you could have gotten a squadron token anywhere. If I were running that list, my first command would always be squadron. I would just assume that whatever I'm doing, my navigation is going to be close enough to what I need off the bat, hopefully, with my speed initial speed setting. So my first squadron command, boom, I got that token. Never have to worry about it again. And yeah, sometimes but a nav token would be really nice. Sometimes you a nav nice. token because you're about to fly off the board. You need an engineering token because... First round is oh usually no. safe, but, but yeah. I'm giving my, but then I'm giving my teammates stuff that I don't want them to have. You know, I'm giving them an engineering token, which it's like, bummer. That's that's a shield that I essentially just lost. Or a confire token, which means that now they get to shoot at me better. Or if I just if I keep the confire token, but I give them the engineering token... Chances are that's a wash because they'll probably do one extra damage and they'll be able to heal one extra shield if it's a big ship. I, I think I've taken a Confire token from Hondo once, and it was only because I had a flotilla in range of a raider that I needed my blue dice to roll an accuracy on. I could see Hondo making sense for something where you have a boring effect, but to me, it would make more sense to just get that squadron token immediately at the beginning and then just pray that some nonsense doesn't happen that makes you get rid of the token for whatever reason later on. Sure. But, but maybe I'm just running the wrong list. Or maybe I, my list would be so much better with Hondo, and I have no idea how good they could be, because I just don't try him. He's great. He's just good fun. <laughs> he seems friendly. I like that everybody gets something. He's kind of like Santa. He's just like, you get a token, and you get a token. Yeah, he he just cuts a really there. good deal. And you get the token, and you get the token. <laughs> so, anything else you wanted to say, Charles? MC-30s are phenomenal. I know there's a lot of haters out there, but I really like MC-30s. Assault frigates need some love. There's something about them that's not quite great. I'm not sure if I like that the fact that Gallant the, Haven only reduces damage down to a minimum of one. around and shaped like a friend. Right. Yeah. yeah. But otherwise, uh, no. I, uh, I think Akbar's a great commander. I highly recommend him. I think he's good for new people. I think there's some very experienced people who can do very good Akbar lists as well. Yep. And there's something very, um, very exciting about rolling massive pools of dice. And I agree with you. In Sector Fleet, I think he can make a world of difference. Yeah. But he only affects your ships in Sector Fleet, Correct. right? Your commander only affects your fleet in Sector Fleet. If only. Can you imagine if your entire Sector Fleet was affected by Akbar? As someone who uh, was part of the decision to not let that happen. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can imagine. Um, oh, that'd be just nonsense. It'd be great, though. So, yeah, no, I... Uh... I guess my only other comment since I have the stage is I would say I think... At the end of the day, I think Armada is more a game of navigation than a game of actually firing, and I think that's a big that was a big mindset shift for me from my early game to my uh, to where I am now. Is before I was always like, man, how do I fire? You know, more dice. But what I've learned is that at the end of the day, if you can't see them, you can't shoot them. 
right? And so mm-hmm. being able to navigate is a much more critical skill than being able to roll a bunch of dice, which is, I like Akbar because with an MC-80, you don't have to navigate super effectively to get that arc in place. Yeah. With, um, and on the Imperial side, like in Trash, I like Jerjarod because he helps me because I, when I can't navigate where I want to go, he gets me pointed the right direction. So I like lists or ships that are very good at uh, minimizing my navigational challenges. Right. We had a pretty epic Jerjarod versus Jerjarod battle at regionals in FFG this year. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't remember I that. can imagine that'd be uh, pretty nonsense. Yeah. Oh, look, 90-degree power slide. Oh, it, look, I 90-degree power slide back. It was. We arc-dodged each other's Star Destroyers. <laughs> Fast and the Furious, Tatooine Drift. And that's something you cannot do against an MC-80. I challenge you to, or even with Jerdrod, I would challenge anyone to effectively arc dodge an MC-80. Maybe. With an engine, with engine tax, you have three yaw. You're talking about, what is that, uh, 45 plus half 45, 60 degree turn. I'll, t- I'll take that bet. I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll get that Jerdrod turn in. You can buy me the next expansion that comes out. Next, next week on the podcast. Ted's the worst. <laughs> Charles is never playing Armada again. <laughs> All right. Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on the well, show. Thank you for having me. It's been a real pleasure. So, mm-hmm. I'm Mr. Senator Faith. And I'm Mrs. Moff Ted. And I'm Admiral Charles. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure you check us out on Instagram. At AFFM.official. Thanks for listening, and may the force be with you. Oh, Oh.